0: Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based
1: VR. Hi, it's Bob Cooney, and I am here with my dear friend, Lynn.
0: Hi. I'm On so this side,
1: I got it right. I have to go opposite. From Paris Gate VR, Lynn Rosenthal. Thanks for joining today.
0: I'm so happy to be here, And it's such an honor and privilege because I adore you so much. You're so.
1: Too, Thank you. <laughs> a big. Love fest.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So I'm up in uh, for those of you that care, I'm up in Santa Rosa, California today, up in the Bay Area, and just wrapped up a few days where I actually I think I bumped into Lynn at the VR Arcade conference in San Francisco at the Microsoft Reactor, which was Jeremy Lamb's fourth, I think, event.
0: It was awesome.
1: Yeah. What'd you think of it?
0: Well, I thought it was great. It's, it was nice to see uh leaders from uh, CEOs from around the world and hear their perspective of what's going on in the industry because, you know, you don't always get an international flavor. They're seeing quite different audiences than we are. It's much more arcadey there than, than certainly than our approach. And I love seeing new products. I love some of the discussions. I mean, it was fun to see HP's new headset, which is, I loved, as you know, we launched with HP, Microsoft's mixed reality headsets at JFK in the International Terminal. It's always fun to see, you know, what they're doing next. And we're going to continue as we roll out. We're we're going to be launching with Vive, but we'll be using HP's workstations.
1: Cool. And we'll we'll get into the hardware in a second, but I want to welcome everybody I did move this, so I should say I got an email from my friend Michael Gettlin recently when the email announcement went out about the Friday deep dive. And he sent me an email. He says, Why is it called Friday deep dive if it's on Thursday? And so I got a lot of feedback from some people in Europe that Friday morning on the West Coast, afternoon on the East Coast is Friday night in Europe. And they said that they wanted to be able to get on, but Friday night wasn't really the best time. So Lynn offered to start. The move we adjusted the schedule this week, and we're moving it up to Thursday. So those of you in Europe that want to dial in live and be a part of the of the community and be involved in the chat and ask questions and get them answered in real time, Mauricio is coming in from Brussels right now, and at seven PM. And so, awesome. uh, just for you, Mauricio, we've, uh, <laughs> we've moved it to Thursday. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that uh, <laughs> that helps uh, part I love that. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, Europe has a much. I'm just going to say in my old age a better work ethic like I think they value balance a little bit better than we do here in America and you know the notion of of working 24/7 and those startups you know I know everybody I know people that work really long hard hours everywhere in the world but I do feel like the Europeans have a better sense of balance than we do here in America and Lynn was just as we were getting ready, she was just reflecting on how tired she is. <laughs> because building a startup is hard.
0: It is hard. And it's definitely seven days a week. And I was sharing with Bob that even when I take a little time off, I ended up going to see the Aurora Borealis where you stay up all night. Very, you know, brilliant of me, but running a startup, it gives you a lot of energy. So every day there are new discoveries. You know, there's a lot of excitement and a buzz around our office. So it's a a fun place to be.
1: So, look, let's talk a little bit about Periscope and what it is, because I've been, since I first heard about it and I read about it, I think it was in the USA Today, did a big piece in the travel section when you opened at JFK. And you can correct me if I'm wrong.
0: And our mutual buddy, Charlie Fink, came out the first week and, and did an, uh, an amazing article in Forbes, which was yeah. very generous. When I met him at AWE last year, I said, you know what, we're opening next week. And he said, yeah, I was. I'd like to come out. I said, journalists don't come out to the airport. He's like, no, I'm coming out. And so we sat there for a few hours with me, which was super fun because it was insanity. We had lines in four directions and there were people there from ages three to 93. So we're trying to pin down the demographic, which turns out there is
1: none. Yeah, especially an airport. Yeah, and, and look, Charlie's not a—you know—I think he would cringe at calling him a journalist. You know, he writes for Forbes as a hobby more than anything, but he's an interesting guy. And if you haven't seen, I have a deep dive for those of you that again might be new. I put these up on my YouTube channel. The replays—you don't get the chat, but you do get the video and the audio, and so you can subscribe to my YouTube channel there. And you'll always be able to go back. And we did a deep dive live from CES with Charlie Fink, which was, I think, my episode number two.
0: It was really uh, fun.
1: Yeah. So go back and check that one out if you're interested. So Periscape, so you've given me a little bit of background. Should we put up the slides and just walk people through what it is so they have some context in, in case they don't know? Is that okay?
0: Oh, happy to talk about it. So Periscope VR launched the first ever virtual reality experience center in an airport. There we are at JFK. Um, We launched right in the middle of Terminal 4, which is the international terminal. The reason we liked JFK so much is because, and it was sort of the perfect place to do this, is because it's a gateway to one out of every 15 people that enters the United States. So they have about 21 million people a year go through that terminal, and that's about 70,000 people a day. So we had people sort of running toward us, because we, as you can see on our towers, we don't call them
1: the K-word. So Lynn and I, we first met at the VR, at the Microsoft LBVR event last year at the Reactor in San Francisco. And I'd always wanted to meet you because I'd heard about what you'd done and I read about it. And I was really fascinated about the business model because I'm all about business models, right? I mean, that's kind of my thing is go-to-market strategy and how do you make money in VR? And I said to her, I said, you know, you've created some beautiful devices and i kind of called them kiosks but i winked and nudged because i knew that she. for some reason i just knew that she didn't want to call them kiosks because they're not i mean they're beautiful devices
0: my argument is they're designed by gensler the number one architectural firm in the world and that they're really designed to be sexy retail luxury retail and they were designed with sort of the travelers you can see that there's a place where travelers run for them because You know, we're serving the VR curious every day. So it's usually, usually we're putting people into virtual reality for their very first time. These are our brand ambassadors. So at the time at JFK, we were... At 96 percent fully automated. Now we're launching at 100 percent. But at that time, we had 11 or we had 12 stations. So we had a brand ambassador there to sort of greet people and to, you know make sure the headsets were perfectly clean and just sort of make them feel relaxed about going into it. It's it's really interesting to see stressed out bored people see that there's some entertainment in the airport. And at JFK, there's three to four hours of dwell time if yeah, there's yeah. no extra layover.
1: we well, let's talk about a couple of things you've already mentioned. So one of them is the brand ambassadors and the fact that you've designed these to be on un- or minimally attended. And one of the challenges with location-based VR is, especially with people that are new to VR, they don't quite know what to do. It's a little intimidating. Oftentimes, you have to sell it, like you have to convince people to do it. And I'm not saying you, but in general, in location-based VR, one of the things we found is the people that are successful actually have like salespeople or attendants who have extroverted personalities that can sell the experience to somebody because at a high price point, if you've never done it before... You know, why do you want to spend 10, 15, 20, 50, 100, whatever dollars it is to do it? And so talk to me about your strategy around attendance and ambassadors or non-attended versus labor rate. Just go through
0: it. Sure. You know, having a large number of employees is one of the big problems that LBE faces, LBE VR, because it's very expensive. And especially when you're operating in an airport. We had them there strictly for customer service and for that, you know, 1% 1% of the time when something you know when the, the screen went black somebody touched the wrong button or you know we're just still we're improving our ops at that time but really what they did with these were real VR enthusiasts who had all worked in VR uh, they commute in from Manhattan and they actually talked to people about what these experiences feel like so that they know that you know we sort of describe if You know, there's that sizzle reel on our towers. We have 14 monitors that have like a four and a half minute sizzle reel. A third of it says, this is virtual reality in 11 languages. And the other two thirds sort of tease the current live uh, VR title. So when they're talking to them, they sort of talk about what it feels like, not what it is. They don't talk about the name of the experience as much as they talk about oh, that one just... You know, you're underwater or you're diving into a deep hole, you're floating in space, and they get that it is a blissful experience. And it's really fun to watch people as they come in with what an airport term is airport head. That's a person that has just been walking around after having food and beverages and done shopping. and, And really, there's nothing to do. And so they see you and it's like entertainment and, uh, and VR so we don't have a problem attracting people to virtual reality they're there they're, they' have nowhere else to go and they're dying they saw virtual reality was there and they wanted to try something new and so you know this is why it's really resonated with airports globally as you know we're getting ready to roll out to with our travel retail partner and they all saw that it ju- people need to be entertained. I mean, if you have, my first time when I thought of this, I was sitting, I'm one of those stressed out, bored passengers who, like you, Bob, travels a lot. And I was sitting there, there was a blizzard in Chicago, and half of the flights across the country were canceled, including my own. So um, I went and I got a tequila, because, you know, everybody knows when life gives you limes, you just add the dang tequila, So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this is just so painful. You know, that last flight trying to get home is always delayed. So I thought I've got to come up with a strategy for this particular market segment. And so I self-funded.
1: Why not a massage kiosk?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, there were four massage companies in Terminal 4. And public massage is some people enjoy it me, you know, I'm the girl who wants to be entertained. So I can just tell you that our lines were a little bit longer than theirs. But I think, you know, this has really struck a chord with something that travelers want. And they were loud and clear. So we're going to entertain them around the world.
1: So that you bring up an interesting point too, which is, you know, public massage isn't something, and I thought about that too, is like, do I really want to be massaged in a public Place like an airport. And certainly with VR, there's been, there are plenty of people who don't want to look awkward doing VR. And that's been a recurring theme going all the way back to the 1990s. And surprisingly, it's still an issue today. So, like, how much of that have you run into? And do you have plans to deal with that?
0: So, we don't have any issue of people, you know, afraid to put on the headset. Matter of fact, there are people, if they're not in it, they're filming it, right? So they are capturing just like i was at nab this week i noticed the same thing on the live show people love to see love to film any sort of action that's going on and when people when they see people playing beat saber or fruit ninja or the tsa agent playing fruit ninja like she's you know fighting for her life like she's some sort of samurai they think it's fun and once they try it then their whole family gets involved you know uh, the parents are holding it over their kids even little bitty kids faces so they can take a look at this grandparents are being brought in by their grandchildren it becomes a family event and a social event much like when i met sephora and i see people filming the virtual have you seen the ar virtual assistant it's completely disrupted the makeup industry and, and this is what happens in airports with people they're watching what's going on it goes our view goes from the sizzle reel to once somebody puts on the headset, people can see what they're seeing. So not only did they see the joy on their faces, but they also, you know, they want to record their family members. They want to record people who are doing this thing that they've never seen before. And then, you know, they're checking their watches and they are diving in for the amount of time they have. So it's quite different. I don't think that, you know, we didn't have anybody complaining that they were uncomfortable in the headset or
1: people. God. won't complain. They won't complain. They just won't do it. You won't hear from them. And the reason I know this is an issue is because at a place called Lucky Pins, Mark Weiss recently put in a, a minority media chaos jump 4 player system. And what he did is he created an automated curtain to go around it. And so when they start the game, he pushes a button and it closes a curtain around the whole thing. And he saw revenue go way up. And so it is still an issue, but people won't complain. They just won't engage and you'll never hear from them. And so I'm not sure there's anything you can do about it, but it is just interesting to know that in a public place, there are still people who are concerned about that. And it does limits us to a certain market segment of people who are willing to look goofy because there's no way around it. Putting on a VR headset in an airport makes you look goofy.
0: I think when people are stopping, first of all, to see what is that? And then they look so euphoric and people are screaming. That was our biggest complaint is people are, your area is too loud. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? They're wearing noise canceling headsets because, you know, they don't want to hear all the airport information. And, yeah. but you know, you do tend to scream in great VR. Yeah. I don't know if you saw run recently, Reggie Watts' new piece that just won at South by Southwest and hopefully will be in a Periscope VR experience center near you soon.
1: So um, let's talk about content. So okay. what type of content have you offered? What are you finding works? What doesn't work? And where are you moving to?
0: So far, we've only been in airports, right? Our airports. Now we're rolling out to global malls and lecture theaters and all kinds of areas. So what we look for is, of course, no guns or zombies in an airport.
1: Why does everybody hate on zombies, man? I don't understand. The poor zombies. <laughs>
0: have you seen Gloomy Eyes? Gloomy Eyes has little bitty guns and little bitty zombies, and it premiered at Sundance this year and won it at South By. Really, it's one of a three-part what? series.
1: What's it uh, called?
0: Uh, Gloomy Eyes. It's from a French creator, and uh, the first segment that came out was in English, and it's th- they'll be out by October 31st, and in- he'll have all three segments. Hopefully, they'll all be in English, because if they are all in English, we will have them. Mm. Um so, so you'll have
1: little zombies, maybe. little
0: bitty zombies that okay. look like. Little
1: Which is good because we, you know, we want to make sure that the underrepresented, you know, <laughs> categories are there, and little people and zombies, I feel, are oh. both underrepresented. And yeah, now you can get both of them in one experience.
0: I'm always looking for that experience that fills my body with bliss, like every cell in my body. So to me. Running does that. Reggie Watts experience. experienced. Reggie is a comedian. He's also the band leader on uh, the Late Night Show with uh, James Corbin. And his new piece made me—I screamed through the entire thing. It took me a minute before I realized how much I was screaming. I was dancing. It, you're dancing on the ceiling, on the walls, and it's just the song we, is so amazing.
1: We, yeah, and so you're trying to stay away from shooters. I'd stay away from um, shooters.
0: I like. In the summer, when you have young kids, we had some recognizable names, certainly Beat Saber. Everybody recognized it launched in LBE first, and we were luck, fortunate enough to be amongst the first to have it. And people recognized that title. They'd heard That's about it. Good. People run to it, put on you know, Beat Saber and play it for an hour, go to the airport lounge, take a shower and get on their flight. And then young children would recognize Fruit Ninja or Job Simulator. So we had some of those that are just for young kids for the summer, and they didn't want to get out. So And then you'd ha- we had the blue for moms who really loved it, found it very euphoric, were able to, you know, be moms and grandmas and get that's intended to have an older audience. But to me, the whale, we would suggest the kids sometimes that will coming eye to eye as much as I love that does sometimes scare children. So we would put them in the other two experiences that are part of the blue LBE experience.
1: What about spheres? You you gave me a demo of spheres at your office. Have you put that out? And if so, how's it done?
0: So it's currently on the Oculus store and spheres is owned by city lights, which is one of our content partners. And it will be available to LBE in May. And okay, we're, we're running with all three segments. Uh, they just did a very successful proof of concept at 30 Rock where they were selling the, an hour for $50. I mean, yeah. it, our goal in this industry is to elevate the prices so content creators can make a great living.
1: You guys know how I feel about that. Not just content creators, but operators too. Right? And, and operators, an, right. An operators who are spending a fortune on hardware, which we'll get to in a second. So I know the hardware you're putting out isn't cheap. That's the end of part one of this interview.
0: Please join us for parts two and three shortly.